Aloha and welcome to another episode of Women on Fire podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jamie and of course I am here with the lovely Daniela. Um, and we have a special guest today, a sister in our circle, in our community, who um, I would love to let her introduce herself and she can kind of start diving into what she's real passionate about and how, how um, we should maybe stay curious and give thought to these things. So mm. our guest is... <laughs> Hello, thanks for the intro, um, Jamie, and welcome me, me on here, Daniela and Jamie. I'm so excited. And it's so sweet because we've weaved in and out of community for many years in different circles and different ways. And um, so it's a it's a sweet reunion to come together. And um, the last time Daniela and I saw each other was actually at a birth. So we got to be in that space, the birth portal together, and um, which was an incredible gift for me. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be here. And I just feel a lot of like fluttering and sweet, like heart movement of like, oh, there's so much goodness as we just had our few words exchanged before diving in. We already were like, okay, yeah, let's go. All right, let's do it. <laughs> right. Why are we not recording yet? Let's yeah. just. <laughs> <laughs> so I can feel like the heat generating um, from that and all the like ignition of that. So I just wanted to, yeah, to, to name that. And um, yeah, so my name's Elisa. And first and foremost, I'm just a regular human and um, <laughs> walking through life like everyone else. And as far as identities in the world, there's probably many that I have, but um, I am a mother of four. So I have uh, people in my life that came through my womb that are ages eight through 22. And um, my work and my love uh, in this current incarnation is what I've really coined as being an intimacy midwife. So in the same vein of midwifery, like really ushering folks through a lot of death and rebirth processes in relationship to intimacy and that has been a of course the developing story of coming into contact with um yeah my own like inner gifts and how I really love working with folks as well as what I feel like is a deep need in the collective um through my own experiences of being really immature in intimacy and really not understanding the depths of relationship and the potentials of what we can help influence in our relationships. And so um, I have a lot of like passion in reconnecting folks with their eros and, and that being um, the energy that is life, that is aliveness, that gives us an opportunity to really feel the depth of our aliveness and our human experience and that to be very visceral for us. So I'm interested in the visceral experience of that and helping people really get into their bodies and through their bodies so that we don't stay in just the intellectual cognitive experience of aliveness because bringing it through the body as you, you all know who are midwives is the way that it happens. <laughs> so um, true, so true. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's where there's a lot of intersection here in terms of my own experience of my own um, many different forms of death and rebirth. And in particular, my my own journeys of just a lot of really big death rebirth processes that have allowed me to, to work in really deep ways with folks and hold um, the energetic and emotional as well as the practical 
aspects that are really important in anchoring and grounding the energetic transformational shifts that we go through as humans. Mm-hmm. Well, you have many passions. And as we echo <laughs> often on this podcast, we say a few different versions of a, I like the way Jamie says it, which is like, well, it's not all about birth, but it does start there. And <laughs> how you do anything is how you do everything. And yeah, how you approach life in general will reflect in birth, right? So we invited you on here to share what you're passionate about and what you, um, how you serve others in the community with your lessons and guidance. It's something that overlaps with the lessons that are relevant to birth, like what you just said, like, get out of your head, be in your body. (laughs) Um, That's the reminder we're often putting out there for the moms as they navigate their journey. Um, but I'll let you take us a little bit deeper into what those lessons are, um, that are at the forefront of your mind. Yeah, I think, um, what's coming up as you ask that question, Daniela, that inquiry is that here we are at the end of the year, right? This very, like, this, it's very big for a lot of us, I think, and just in feeling the closing per se of this cycle and us being cyclical beings here we are at the closing and we're feeling that we're feeling what that feels like to be at that threshold and I'm so always interested and spending a lot of time in the threshold places and what that actually means for us and I think a lot of times we're so reaching for like what's going to be birthed and how do we birth and moving forward and what's the new and that's beautiful and necessary and what I've recognized from my own experience is also what that requires us to be really in reverence to what's dying because there's that meeting of that death and birth and so there's so much that that has to die through us energetically emotionally and etc that I think birth gives us a really incredible the literal birthing process gives us a really incredible opportunity to come into contact and bring to consciousness the things that actually are dying and what we're really releasing and some of the grief that's involved in that some of the grief that's involved in really coming into newness or taking on new identities for instance like as we transition to motherhood for example just each time i became a mother again there was so much death And I think that that's still a really big conversation that we need to continue to have and to also ritually honor, to ritually honor the death processes that happen at this threshold. So that's what comes to mind right now because of the closing of the year. And I know for me, I've just been in my own process of um, excitement and ignition of the newness and it's right next to and intertwined with my grief and my like, energetic release of some of the things that that have to move through in order for this new cycle to begin and I think that's a constant you know it's an always constant it's always in process and becoming it's not like this final line of like this has died and now that you have birthed here right it's not like this like like very linear process that we want it to look like a kind of point a to point b it's like learning to be in relationship to that continuity and to tend to and track those things at the same time like the beauty of the death there's actually like beauty in it and it's also excruciatingly excruciatingly painful sometimes to be in that transition 
and to know that things are going to be different. Yes, that is such a hallmark. And I think absolutely in the, in the birth and the, the physical birth space, but also um, even if you're not bearing children, right? Changing jobs or changing relationships or with, with uh, not even partners, mothers, you know, we're all in relationship, right? And so letting things go, it is hard to let things go or, or, or allow them to slip away. Um, and still honor them or not feel, you know, um, a lot of times we, we busy ourselves and not allow ourselves to feel those feelings. We just keep carrying on. And then the weight that is, um, as opposed to, as you mentioned, you know, like the ceremonial process, I don't know if that was before we started recording or after, but, you know, like really recognizing that, that there's a give and take and that it is a ceremonial process and we are like putting the maiden away or we are like letting that piece of uh, of our existence propel us forward, but we don't have to necessarily take it with us. Yeah. You brought up specifically, you know, putting away the maiden, right? And that transition, letting go of a previous identity, shifting into the next. And even though this episode might not necessarily all be about birth, but it, <laughs> this is a, a very specific aspect that we haven't spoken to, right? The concept um, referred to as like matrescence, right? You're letting go of the version of you that had no kids and now you're coming into motherhood for the first time. And even though when it's the second, third and plus more times, it's still a shift in identity and life. but could you speak to that one in particular, maybe how that was for you, maybe now that you are 22 years removed from that initial experience, some reflections you wish you had had in the moment, some wisdom mm -hmm. you can impart on others navigating it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you for that inquiry. And um, yeah, traveling the timelines like that is is an incredible gift to be able to do too, to, to really feel that. Like what, what kind of support would it have um, looked like or felt like to be supported in the way where someone was reflecting to me or inviting me into that um that that ritual process for example like coming from my young self and you know i think that this is what i've learned and come to know about these particular rites of passage that we go through is that if we are being invited to have some kind of consciousness care ritual process around the time of that threshold crossing, then the experience of our becoming entirely changes because it's being held specifically also by more than just ourselves. And even if we're alone in that, in a ritual process, we're not alone, like in, in invoking a ritual process. It's like we're, we're, for example, depending upon your beliefs and what your connection is, but, you know, we invite in nature, right, to, to help us. We invite in um, plants or maybe we invite in ancestors if we have an ancestor practice, you know, we're not alone. And so we invite in maybe community. And so I think some of the ways that I think about my young self as 
my maiden self um, entering into that threshold of motherhood 22 years ago, over 22 years ago, um, is yeah, I, I think that if I really was reflected that consciousness with the people around me, then that threshold might not necessarily have been, I don't know if it's really in terms of ease. Sometimes we have difficulty even when we have all the support, right? I don't think that we can put those things together and say like, oh, it'd be easier. I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, but also that's just very subjective of an experience. Um, but I do feel like on a on a very like deep core level, like at a deep soul level, like getting to that place, that there's something that really, really happens in our ability to trust our process. So it's not about necessarily making it easier or harder or these kind of binaries of things. It's like a deep trust of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is, yeah, it's, it, it's supposed to be like this. And I didn't have that. I was so scared and not that fear is the thing. I mean, I was scared with all my births. <laughs> it's not that I had, you know, the fear go away. Cause I think that's another myth of like, you should be fearless. Um, you know, that's a sad thing to, to speak to because there's so much fear in the unknown. It's, it's what we, you know, it's very human as well. But I think that part of feeling the trust of like, oh yeah, right. Like, and somehow when there's that support or that naming of, yeah, this is this transition from this to this, like just the explicit naming of that in the like simplicity of that explicit naming, there's a sense of relaxation at a deep level. And I say at a soul level, but I also mean somatically at like a body nervous system level of like, right. Yeah. That's, that's supposed to happen. Right. That's the transition. That's the shift. Gosh, so true. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So emphasizing that simplicity, I think that's what I want to like highlight is that like sometimes I continue to learn this all the time that like, you know, sometimes we can get so complex with things because we just do that as humans. We make everything way more complicated. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. We're just like adding in <laughs> so much stuff. And I'm, you know, I definitely engage in that process as part of our collective. And I see more and more that when we are able, when I am able to be really explicit and simple and directive, that that's really, really good medicine. Thank you for going there and speaking to that experience. And this brings up well, you said the somatic work, the nervous system work, you know, we're often engaging with moms speaking about the internal work, right? That's important as part of the preparation for the pregnancy, for the birth, for the postpartum, right? It's not, there's so many pieces of the puzzle and there's a lot of focus on you know, the birth education of like, know the hormones of labor and know the anatomy and physiology of labor. And that's super awesome um, and, and, and helpful to know. But also, like we said earlier, you know, you got to get out of your head for birth and most of life. And <laughs> um, so can you speak to the internal work piece of it and 
then what do you mean when you say nervous system stuff? Like, well, what are you even talking about? How does that yeah. relate to the human experience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's a really good question, especially I think it's becoming um, centered a lot more in, in personal development and in trauma-informed practices. Like we're really, as um, a collective, um, thank goodness, becoming much more interested and curious about what this actually is. And I think it's, depending upon who you're talking to, you're going to have a different perspective, of course, um, on what that actually is. But I think in my own lived body, which is the only one I can talk from, is that like my lived experience is such that I have had to learn how to pace myself and titrate, meaning a slow process sometimes of even when I want to be somewhere else or think that I am somewhere else in my ability or my capacity to actually handle and integrate something into my life that is conceptual, for instance, my body has its own story as to whether it can actually do that and at what pacing it can actually do that. And the body has the guidance, like the clues, if we're able to listen the issue is that so often, even if we're trying to listen, because of trauma, meaning, and I don't mean that when I say trauma, I mean like we all have micro traumas just from living in the culture that we live in. And so it doesn't have to be this like big event in terms of trauma, but just like the micro traumas of being a human in the culture that we live in. And so that creates a certain kind of nervous system in all of us that is often on defense. We're often not in this incredibly receptive, open, you know, fluid kind of body structure that I'm sure you see all the time from being in touch with women's bodies internally and otherwise. And so we can know all the things we can understand. Like you said, we, can, we have a heavy emphasis on um, knowing and intellectually understanding things. And I think that that really has a huge piece. Like, to have language is really important to have a map and understanding. I don't think that we need to move away from that. Um, but I think the balance of that is to be able to listen at the level of the body in a way that, that the reason that we don't really understand what that means is because the majority of bodies don't actually know how to do that yet. And that's okay too, because it's a starting place to admit that our bodies that so many of us are disconnected from actually listening. So that when, when I'm working with clients long-term, a lot of what comes up is that they're like, I feel more than ever now. Oh my God. In some ways, this is way harder because before <laughs> I didn't have access to feeling that and it was way easier. And so when the body is actually able to feel more and there's more sensation, for example, I work a lot with clients on, on waking up sensation and like coming at, back into contact with sensation and building capacity. And in my trauma trainings, the, so much of the orientation is to actually come back into slowly. We don't want to blast you into pleasure because actually that can be trauma inducing. Even if it's good, quote unquote, we want to come back into contact with pleasure in a way where the body can actually handle it. It's a building of capacity. It's a building of capacity. And so I think in our culture, we often want to go to the big bang and we want to like, just like do it and um, bigger better faster more <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> yeah I mean that's pretty familiar to most of us right like 
Yeah. And, and that can have its place. You know, I'm not big on demonizing really much of anything these days, but you know, it can have its place in terms of like, sometimes that can be the, the goods, you know? Yeah. And um, it also can also be critiqued though, just exactly. at the same time. Right. T- totally. <laughs> totally. And we have some refinement to do around that. And so I'm not necessarily a big proponent and fan of catharsis in terms of a way to heal. I think that in terms of even moving and orienting ourselves towards pleasure, there's a capacity building through sensation that is based upon the actual capacity that your body is guiding you with. And that means listening and getting in touch with that and having practices and intentions to build that capacity. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) That's huge. I know we're both like, this is the big work that, you know, sometimes it's hard to even know where to start. Right. Or people are afraid because of what they might un pack or or have to face right absolutely yes and even if that's not conscious even if that's not conscious in the body we know at some level like we our capacity for feeling as humans is huge we're amazing we're amazing like we have so much capacity to feel um on an emotional range of course and some of us we're afraid of that because of um you know, I mean, the obvious responses that so many of us have experienced when we've been in the bigness of what we feel. So many of the, you know, reflections that we've had from external reflections that we've had are usually like, uh, that's a little too much, or we don't do that here. Even if it's not a direct, explicit kind of saying, it's like been been spoken, you know, that the the welcoming of, of the bigness, for instance, of, of, and not even the bigness, but just the expression, just self-expression we're still very young in, I think, our trajectory of self-expression. And again, we can't help, I mean, to talk about these things, I think we also have to talk about, you know, the obvious things in terms of a culture of oppression that we live in and the particular kind of privileges that we have in certain bodies and um, certain identities, right? Like there's a range of what's actually accessible in terms of self-expression and what's actually safe. And I think it's important to name that too, is that, you know, we, there's those of us who have more privilege and access to these choices than others with self-expression, um, just that particular vein of things. Um, did you want to, yeah. No, I, I fully agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's important. It's multi, it's multi-dimensional as we are mm-hmm. as humans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We are. Yeah. And when we get down to this body piece and we're speaking about, you know, access again to full feeling, we're, we're, we're talking about activating that. And so much of the work that I do with folks and what has been from my learned experience from coming into, um, a deeper self-expression and specifically in the realm of communication being able to speak actually what I feel. So the first layer is like, what do I even feel? I have to get in contact with that. I have to to actually be asking. I have to care enough to turn inwards and to know from the inside out what it is that I feel. And it's actually astounding how many people can't come into contact with how they actually feel. It'll be sort of like 
a response that doesn't have anything to do with how they actually feel or how their body feels. I mean, the simplicity. So for listeners, for example, like the kind of tangible, simple stuff that it's like pausing right now, for example, and just being like, what's coming up for you as you hear, like, as you listen to this podcast right now, like, what are you feeling in your body? Like, what are you feeling in your body? And see if you can actually tune into that. Like, what do you feel? And if there's words that actually come up that aren't really describing how you feel, go back and try again and see if you can access how you actually feel. Like, I can feel a little bit for me, like, maybe we can do that. Like, we can kind of model that here. Um, I can feel a little, like, fluttering, kind of, like, buzzy energy in, like, my chest and my shoulders right now. And I don't need to make sense about that. I'm not going to say, and that means this. I'm just going to say, like, I can feel this. And sometimes we have to uncouple those things, too, because we want to give meaning right away. We want to tell the story about it. We want to justify it because we're used to having to justify those things as well in order to make it okay to feel that way. So the simplicity of that question of like, what do I feel? And it's a sensation, right? I just described a sensation. And if I ask specifically, well, what do you feel in terms of emotion? That's a really different question. What kind of emotional response are you having to this? Oh, this is really inspiring. Is that an emotion? It's a, sens it's a feeling. So this is kind of the work that <laughs> I'm getting at with folks. And that is, I, I think, in some ways, almost revolutionary and in other ways, not at all. <laughs> and yes, agreed, totally revolutionary. Yeah, it's just the nature of humans, if we let it be it. Mm -hmm. um, but this is why... You have folks like Robin Lim and this French dude, I forget his name. Odon? Is he the one that talks yes. about yeah. the capacity for, yeah, humans to love, right? And how we're affecting our capacity to love by interfering with our capacity to birth and how we birth, right? You're talking about- And we've all been born. <laughs> I mean, right? The, I mean, that's- that, I mean, I, I can't help but bring it back to birth, but this is why it is so deep and so revolutionary, right? Because it's like an everyday miracle like birth. Totally. And <sighs> I agree. If we have people that are totally out of tune throughout their lives with themselves, their body, and then all of a sudden they want to go for full-blown natural birth, that is one of the ultimate shebangs that might be too much to handle like what's new <laughs> uh-oh but that's why the prep work to keep yeah. tuning in that gradual be in your body work through it feel it be with it etc is so important um that's why your work is so important that's why this like midwifing process you know like the work that that you're doing of inviting folks into that because like to be a midwife is clearly not just being at the birth, you know, and obviously if people are listening to this, they know that. And it's so, it's so important, the support that we get through those thresholds and the invitations into those, those spaces. And so that it's not, it doesn't have to be shocking. We can, there are ways, there is hope and it's beyond 
hope it's actually accessible and there are people who can help you. And if we, you know, I'm sure we all have different reasons why we come into the work that we do. Sometimes it just like happens, right? We're like, I don't know. It just like, I just started happening and, and it makes more sense kind of later <laughs> as you go deeper into what you're doing. But I think, um, you know, the, the, the biggest gift about this kind of work is that we're we're crafting a completely it's not a narrative I mean there's a part of it that's a narrative but also beyond that like we're crafting completely new ways of actually being human we're crafting completely new ways of being in intimate relationship with our bodies of being in intimate relationship with one another in a way where we have more access to what we we feel and sense and that means more access to consciousness and that means more access to love that means more access to actually being present with one another and what can happen from there what's possible then yeah beautiful intention right and then to follow, be able to follow through because you give yourself that permission we're all nodding there's a there's... <laughs> I love it I just have to admit talking about narratives I'll narrate for those listening but I also I I actually just wanted to loop around too because I liked the little moment where you kind of walked us through because even that slowing down how we speak giving pause giving a moment for the words to formulate or for the sensations to actually touch in as opposed to like, what are you feeling? Okay. And that, 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 you know, like that whole thing that you said at the beginning about giving yourself permission for time and, and things like this. Um, it is because that that's one of, I think the fleeting, um, the, the, the community now or our, our culture now is to just jump from one thing to the next, um, even having a baby, right? Okay. Now everything, you just have a baby, everything else is normal and you just go back to work and you do this and you do that, you know? Um, and so I really think it's great because that loops around to things that Daniela and I have talked about previously, just around cycling, you know, our moon cycles or um, our energetic cycles and honoring it as opposed to just caving to this idea that we all have to be at this pace and running through. And that is what keeps us separate from feeling those sensations, feeling them emotionally, physically, all these other things. I'm sure you run into that a lot in your work. And, and I'm curious because we talked a little bit about the consent thing before we started and how you've been doing this consensual work and boundaries and things like that. And I think that kind of loops back around to that as well. It's everything. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for that, Jamie. Absolutely. I, yeah, we're on video and I'm just like nodding my head like yes and yes and yes and yes. Yeah, it's, um, and it's a practice, you know, the pausing and the slowing. And, and there are some days I'm way better at that than others. <laughs> and, you know, this is part of, I want to speak to that, you know, with, 
some of the ways that I know that I've had internalized pressure around things like that, like, and I can be really harsh internally on myself when I'm not like meeting things like expectations of myself, even in that realm of like doing, doing it well, right. Or doing it right. And I think that that's a big place that I just want to speak to in terms of like our perfectionistic tendencies that we have also, um, that, yeah, it's going to be messy. We're not always going to do great with pauses. We're not always going to be slow. There's going to be, you know, lots of times that it's going to be hard to access that, especially if we have stress and anxiety and overwhelm, it'll be hard, but actually those times when it's not so hard is the perfect time to practice to actually practice the slowing when we're not in those more like hyper-vigilant, fast-moving states. And so, yeah, the pause is enough to be life-changing for some people, actually, like to be given permission to have a pause. And so a lot of times in my one-on-one -on -one work with people, well, and in dyad work, I mean, all of it, um, but working with folks in giving them the invitation to pause because, you know, I acknowledge the power dynamic that I'm in as like um, someone's like coach, teacher or mentor or guide, what have you, that like in that power dynamic, if I asked a question um, or invite them into something, you know, through an inquiry, they don't, they don't have to answer that, right? They get to decide and they get to decide and know that they have choice in that. And it's so important because the dynamic also in holding um, that, you know, we, we all have these relationships with, with teachers and um, people, you know, parents or people of some kind of power per se that you feel obligated to like answer. And so sometimes that reaction also of like, oh yeah, it's just very unconscious. Like I want to like show up and do what I'm supposed to do. And so there's always this reminder that I'm putting out there of like, and you don't have to answer that. And you can take time, like the invitation to like pause, see what that really is for you. And that slowing is where so much happens. So much is revealed when we're not racing through so much. Like it's it's almost I it's it's almost the crux of it all is like the pausing and being able to know that we can give ourselves permission to do that, that we don't have to know in the moment and that we don't owe anyone else that in the moment, we can give ourselves a pause to like really sink into feeling. Is, is it a yes for me? Or do I just want to say that? Am I just afraid? And so I'm saying, yes, what's going on with me? What am I feeling? Do I feel scared to say no? Is that just a habitual response? Because I'm afraid that I might feel a yes, right? There's a lot there, but the simplicity of giving yourself the pause means that you're going to have a lot more access to understanding what some of the more unconscious patterns are in your life and relationships. And so it's, it's huge. And I could go on and on, but what I actually would really like to offer is if you guys are up for it, I just thought about, I wrote, it's, um, I guess it's considered a poem, but I wrote this and I actually shared it on social media recently and it's all about slowing down. And I think it has some nuggets that might be good. It does have a swear word. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, <laughs> sir, all that. Okay. <laughs> Only one swear word? Come on. 
Okay. It just, it just has one. It has the big one. Okay, <laughs> just great. wanted to make sure it's all good. Yes. So does that feel like, yes, it's a good time Absolutely. to offer that? That sounds amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I wrote this sometime this last year and I reshared it recently. And I think we all, we all need to hear this. Slow the fuck down in whatever way you can. I know it's scary to do sometimes because you may actually tune into what you really, really need right now and be closer to feeling how long that need has been there. Unmetabolized grief can have an opportunity to come through and break your heart open even wider to love. Patterns of avoidance are disrupted and the slowing may bring initial discomfort, followed by an indescribable and paradoxical sense of comfort that only comes with feeling what's difficult to feel. You may find yourself spontaneously doing the very sweet, simple things, like planting that garden or finally painting again that you always daydream about but can't find a way to make happen. Suppressed desires may begin to make themselves known and they may do their work in initiating the necessary deaths of the old self that wouldn't allow for those desires to have a voice. Relational repair can happen when we slow down and see and feel opportunities and openings for doing things differently. This is usually exciting and frightening. Clarity may actually arise when we aren't trying so hard to find it because slowing down helps our nervous system settle so that clear sight can be a byproduct of feeling trust in our own bodies. Every facet of nature may seem a little more beautiful and radiant because we're present enough to let its magic melt all of the hardened places within us. Love in all of its disguises will inevitably find its way through to you in one way or another in the slowing. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Good call. That's definitely the reminder we all need. <laughs> Can you come back and read that once a month for us, please? Sure. <laughs> we have it just as its own little thing of like and here's your reminder click this link <laughs> just repost that as an episode the poem uh, and there's recorded yeah <laughs> there's something of course for it coming through with your voice because it's your voice these are your words right and so there is something to that too um it has has an extra depth of meaning I, I hear a little voice in the other oh. room, so we're switching rooms now. <laughs> so many voices. Well, thanks Which for voice letting me read that. To? <laughs> yeah, mm, thank you. Yeah, that that was wonderful. That can be tricky to do. The simplest things can be the trickiest to do, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's right, literally so many voices coming at us, 
parents, friends, the medical professional, the other professional, the other expert, all the all those ideas of what we should do or the pressures and and they can really drown out our own voice our own fears our own fear voice drowning out our other internal conscious uh intuitive voices and it does take practice to be able to filter out to be like now that i know where that voice is coming from that's my fear voice or that's someone else's voice but we slow down and we can gradually get really good at knowing whose voice is who, which one's the true one. Um, and again, it's yeah. not even like fear is the bad guy. Sometimes if fear is pushing us towards something like that's okay. Maybe it is letting you know, like, no, that's really a dangerous way to go. Don't go that way. Like that's Absolutely. so wise. You know, fear can be wise when kept in check. Yeah. Um, but this is, the heart of the paradigm uh, of, of yeah of not just birth work but it yes but also just of conscious living you know of of course I have an example of like you know that famous 42 week marker where in many regulated states if a mom goes past 42 weeks she can no longer birth at home and must be uh transferred into the medical or into the hospitals to birth so what happens when you don't have that what happens when you're pregnant and you go past 42 weeks and you don't have a rule already set in place telling you what you're supposed to do right what decision so that you even have to keep track at all <laughs> right right the decision hasn't been made for you now it's in your hands right? But sometimes that's too much for people. That's okay. Totally. But being in that position does mean, okay, well, now you have to go through decision-making process, which doesn't mean it's easy. It just just means you get to own it and, and you get to figure it out for yourself. And often when I'm in those situations, um, well, with other people, you know, like that's, that's my prescription. They're like, what do I do? I was like, go take a moment by yourself. Go mm. tune in, lock the door walk out five minutes <sighs> you can do like I don't know what you're supposed to do maybe you are supposed to go in maybe you're supposed to say I can't tell you that yeah. but you can tune in <laughs> yeah and that's such a gift Daniela I mean that's such a gift because that again for some people that might be the first time that anyone's really invited them into that right like for some women are just all humans but for women in particular in this you know with birth it's like it could be the first time that they've heard that, like really been invited into being like, you check in with your body and your sensation and what you feel like you need. And then you tell me. Mm -hmm. right? And I'll find like, a way to help support you through it. Right. Exactly. So many times when they're like, but I wish someone would just tell me the answer. <laughs> like uh, you, you're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And that's so great. And I, right. I, meet, I meet with the same thing. I mean, I, I have, I just got like a flash of a client just joking, you know, like around. She's like, I just want you to tell me the answer. You know, having like a little tantrum. And she's like, and I know you're not going to. And I'm like, Yep. Because we know that that's where the real work is. Wouldn't it be great if we all had the answers to the tests, like in school, like the 
we all wanted the freaking answers, right? But the real growth is in doing the work ourselves to know the answers for ourselves. Never mind you, the nuances of the answers being unique to everyone. And I genuinely can't know it for you, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That process of you absolutely knowing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the real this- empowerment that no one can hand you. And this is the birth of a new consciousness, you know, because it isn't, you know, for so many generations now that hasn't, no, that permission has not been granted. And boy, I'll tell you, the system is trying so hard to grab every thread it can to reel it back in. Um, but people are doing the work. People yeah. are starting to do the work. I mean, sorry, my dog is protecting us um, <laughs> from the garbage truck. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I'm sure you've seen it. It just is in our world, more and more people are choosing to step outside the hospital and then not even that, but step away from medicalized midwifery at home too. Right. Because people are, people are starting to realize what has, um, what their capacity is if they're given that permission to check in and how that translates in every single walk of life from there on out. Totally, totally. And what was just coming up for me as you were speaking about those things, having had the experiences myself of two hospital births and then two home births and how much different my experience would have been in hospital births if I actually had skills to advocate for myself and really understand the choices that I had. And also not just beyond understanding the choices that I have, because that's one thing to understand as one layer, but to actually be able to speak to what I need is a whole nother layer. And we need to do a lot of work in this arena. And that's what I'm passionate about. I'm really passionate about about helping people to get in touch with that specifically and to work through the fears and to pace with their nervous systems of work with me in a safe container, a safe enough environment so they can basically practice that and then come into their relationships externally because it starts with right here in our everyday relationships, being able to advocate for ourselves and being able to ask for what we need for begins with the people that are right in front of you, your partner right there your roommate, your, you know, whomever it is, the people you're working with, your coworkers, it's, it's that. And then we're able to be more well-equipped in these larger sort of um, environments where there's a lot more, um, well, they're all, they all can be pressurized. It depends on where people are at relationally, but sometimes it can feel, you know, in a larger organizational setting that those things can get even, even harder, but everybody has different strengths in their relationships and where they have skill building and, or where, where they have skills and where we need to improve our ability. And that goes back to, again, being able to have um, a process of tuning in to and listening to our bodies and our nervous systems and the pace at which they can actually handle and integrate those edges because they're edges for so many of us to step into really um i'm just the word advocating keeps coming out because it's so relevant to birth um and so for those in hospital settings and at home both because we know even in home birth settings even in 
beautiful midwifery practices. There still is power imbalances and things to clear up there. And um, wherever we are in that experience that um, it's incredibly important to be able to tune in to what's true for you through the signals of your body and also how that relates to communication. So in getting a little bit more into the energetics of things, you know, I work a lot with like the connection between, you know, the cervix and the throat and the, um, you know, the uh, pelvis and the voice and the jaw and all of those things on an energetic level. And so that's really important for me in my work is being able to see when I'm working with female body people specifically, that that is something that is really um, and, and actually it's, 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 you don't have to necessarily have a womb either. It's really, it's really all across genders. It's like, we have this connection, the tension that's held there. And when we can open up the voice and vice versa, open up the hips. Um, I was a movement practitioner before I was doing this work. So that really helped shape things because I did personal training and movement coaching and alignment specialty with the body. So I have a lot of perspective coming from um, anatomical structures of the body, as well as like the energetics and the interplay of those things. So that's shaped a lot of my work with people. So I'm not like working the other way where I'm trying to figure out the body stuff after this. Um, so there's those pieces too, that are really important to see and track and not necessarily for people to understand all parts of those, but just that I'm coming with that when I'm working with folks, knowing that, that, that this piece of opening our pelvis specifically is really important and understanding the tension that we hold there the tension patterns that are there and how do we open them through time not just expecting them just to open at birth if, it, if we're doing that if we're you know looking at it from that it's like how are we opening those um fears that are stuck in there those old stories those traumas that are there you know what are the ways in which we can get support to do that Uh, yeah, those are the I can, questions for sure that should yeah, and I can, prioritized. Mm -hmm. I can see how, of course, how it translates to men's bodies too, because our pelvis is our center, right? It holds the top and the bottom together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, in, in relation for structure, right? The cervix and the throat, um, the but also the jaw and the pelvic structure like they're all so similar right and so um i love that i love that visual for people mm -hmm. to to recognize that obviously it's all connected but it it's all very connected and so thank you for that thank you for bringing mm -hmm. that visual into play so quick tip move your pelvis move your pelvis Move your pelvis. Move your pelvis in any way that you can. <laughs> yeah. And let it be guided by your capacity and what your body's able to handle and not pushing past that. We don't want to push the body into anything um, because it usually resists and contracts when we're pushing it. And we've learned a lot from just push past it. It's okay. Go more. Go far, you know, go farther. No, just work with where you're at right now. What can you do? If you can only just do pelvic tilting, that's fine. Do that. If you can like really move your hips in a circular way and like get it open or like, you know, hula hoop kind of style or whatever, like do that. Great. 
see where you're at, but move your pelvis, walk, walking moves the pelvis, mm -hmm. right? Basic, basic things. But it, but it, I mean, I can feel it when I have energetic, emotional stuff coming up and that there's things moving that I'm needing to speak. I needed to get up this morning and walk. I knew I was going to be doing a lot of talking mm -hmm. with my pelvis. <laughs> it helps. Yeah. Well, I mean, to really drive in the point, the episode we released, well, by the time we release this, I don't know what it's going to be in reference point to, but we released a, an episode uh, not so long ago um, where the whole point was about movement as medicine. That was it. That was Chloe. The the, exactly. Yeah. She's my African dance sister. Ah, there we go. Why am I surprised? Hello. There's the connection. But truly, you know, there's there's a lot of speaking and we can talk about these things and you can read all the books about it. But this isn't the kind of thing that you can just talk about. You have to go embody it, go practice it, go make the time, go just do it, do the movement. We need more of that. It's highly underrated, even just the walking, like you said. And I've got this pet peeve for when people are like, oh, I just wasn't born to dance or my body just doesn't move like that. And that's fine. It's not like you got to be like Shakira status. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> but ultimately, every human body is designed for movement. <laughs> it's Absolutely. literally what you were born for. So, Absolutely. And even if, you know, you have injury or limitation or any of those things there are ways to still be able to move the pelvis even if you're like uber uber pregnant you there are still many ways and let's also drop in sex and sexuality and know that that's a place too that we can really experiment and explore with being in relationship to the movement there because a lot of times that's where we will lock up and if we're moving too fast in that area, if we're moving against our will, if we're not moving in ways that are really integrous with ourselves in our relationship to our own bodies, then it's going to show up there. And so that a lot of things, um, a lot of my work has gone into those arenas as well. And just really, really working with people on clarifying um, those things and the intentionality with sex and sexuality as well, because that's going to have a big root effect on the rest of your life. Well, now I know what we're going to invite you to talk about next time. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That can be next time. That's a whole episode. <laughs> that's a whole podcast. A yeah, whole that's podcast. Whole, that's a whole, yeah, that's a whole like different titled podcast. <laughs> that we need. <laughs> I was like, wait, are we at an hour? Let me plug that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for going there. But that's it, right? It's all connected. It's all part of the bigger picture all these pieces mm -hmm. when well, I have to say that the whole you know you posted some little like thing on your on your Instagram and I was like oh well you could come practice on our podcast <laughs> oh. yeah. so that's how this whole the whole little uh, episode got rolling and I think girl if if you feel called it's totally amazing you do have so much to offer and um it is deep. And I know that you get to intertwine with other folks who, um, who teach you and who offer space, you know, um, maybe they're coming to you for help and then it's a reciprocal learning. Right. So <laughs> I think that's, um, 
yeah, it's really sweet to, to have it sort of come full circle like that. I think, um, you do, you have, you, it's, it's been amazing to like, like you said, at the very beginning, our intertwined relationship over the years and, um, it's, and you are a midwife. And I also just sort of want to touch on that piece too, because there's all this, we talk about the legislating and all the, like the terminology and how words matter and how midwife doesn't just mean someone who attends births and brings medicine <laughs> in, in, a, in a pharmaceutical form, right? We can midwife each other through lots of different transitions. And, um, and, and the term really means so much more than what our, um, what our legal system endears it as, um, you are, you, you really help folks through, um, some deep stuff, some, some dark corners, you know, I love how you speak to shadow work. I love how you speak to, um, the, the balance and the intertwining because you cannot have one without the other and you can um yeah I've just watched your work grow over the years it's it's phenomenal <laughs> thank you thank you for that that feels so sweet and really nourishing to hear and yeah and that shared place that we actually all intersect in being midwives and you know being it's an incredible, it's an incredible, incredible gift to live a life where my work is something that is, has so much depth and so much meaning to me and also offers folks an opportunity um, to be in a safe enough space for them to get in touch with whatever it is that they're ready to get in touch with. And it's, I never take it for granted. I'm constantly in awe and in so much gratitude for doing that. And um, yeah, getting to, to do what I love. I mean, it's a, it's a great privilege to get to do what I love. And I would assume that you both feel similarly in your work because of the level of passion and deliciousness that you have with getting to be in the experience of midwifery and I definitely haven't felt for a long time that I'm you know that I might literally go into the physical aspects of midwifery as well and you know I did childbirth education courses and have studied a lot of birth things aside from my own birth experiences which were life-changing you know um but yeah it was clear that this was this was the particular flavor of midwife that I am so Oh, and it's so needed. It's if there there isn't a lot of um, holding of this space, you know. So you really found a really beautiful niche to to support folks in their growth. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it feels like that. And it's a little. It's a hard. It's a little hard going. It's it's been challenging at times not having like a a clear vision path of like, I go here and then I do this, you know, or here's the elder sh showing me exactly how, right? Like, you know, doing that has been a lot of spending time in a lot of pretty lonely spaces of my own invitation for deep self-trust, you know, and which is why I'm able to really offer that to others because I've been 
and really dark spaces and in really isolated places that have given me access to being able to really know what that's like and to really not just understand it from a book or a course or a certification or some letters behind my name. Mm -hmm. Like I know this stuff from the inside out. And, right. um, and for that, I'm grateful because there's so much value in look, being able to look at someone and tell them, I know. <laughs> and even if I don't say that, folks know because of, we know, right? Like energetic presence is everything. Like we do know, we know, we know. Those are those sensations, right? Yeah. That those sensations that we rush past or whatever, but they're always there. Exactly. They're always there. They're oh, always there if we can slow so the fuck good. down. So good, Elisa. <laughs> <laughs> right, slow the fuck down. <laughs> so maybe that's what we're going to title this episode. <laughs> yes, slow down. Oh, this is so great. <laughs> Elisa, is there any last thoughts or words uh, you want to drop here for the listeners. And additionally, if you want to share your contact information, um, please do so. Uh, yeah, um, I think I just want to say a big thank you to you both. Um, the invitation to come here and to do this with you and to weave in this way it's such a a beautiful experience to like feel the intimacy shared and the intimacy built from doing this um and that's what I'm a sucker for is the intimacy part <laughs> um so I feel really enlivened by that and inspired and also like really settled at the same time and a deep place of like contentment right now and yeah if um if you feel inspired from this and are curious about working with me um i am found quite easily on instagram at spells of truth all one word spells of truth and um yeah connect with me there i'd love to and send me a message too i've I really love connecting and being personable with folks. And um, I really also look forward to potentially doing part two with y'all if that's to come. So we'll digest all of this goodness. And yeah, thank you guys both. It's been such a pleasure, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, likewise. And thank you for being willing to speak of... <sighs> You know, this has been such an amorphous episode, it seems, but that's just it. The art of life can be that. It's not a formula. It's not straightforward. It's not, it, like you said earlier, it's quite messy. <laughs> yep. And anyone who tries to pretend like it ain't is just pretending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. We all do it yeah. sometimes. Like yeah. we have to feel the sense of control. <laughs> Some aspects of life are more. I have to laugh others. at this because on my, uh -huh. I have to say on my end, the meeting is like chunking super hard right now. Ah. <laughs> and the sense of control is like, ah, 
<laughs> so it's really funny the little pieces that I'm getting in the video that's cutting out. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. Ah. Well, that, that's just it. Some parts are smooth and some yes. are choppy. So that, letting all that that's go. That's the message. <laughs> and it's <Yep>. okay. <laughs> letting the balance of it all. So thank you for your honesty and your realness and your presence here and the work you do, Elisa. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. And I feel the same about you both. So grateful to do this and be together. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to our listeners for sharing this adventure with us. And we'll see you next time. All right. Have a lovely day.